أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So uh, we're at Surah Al-Kawthar today and uh, Surah number one, 108 of the Mus'haf and just to remind you of the flow of the Surah so the idea that links these last 10 Surahs is the Dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam رَبِّ جْعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَارْزَقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ مَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Okay? So this was the dua Ibrahim a.s. made. And we learned from Surah Al-Feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala checked the first part of the dua, the safety. Right? Amn, peace, was given to them. And then second part of the dua, prosperity, was given to them in Surah Quraysh. And, you know, from Surah Al-Ma'un, we realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Quraysh demanded Quraysh, now that I've given you these two favors, you need to be thankful. Aren't these enough favors for you to be thankful? Are you worthy of this, this huge responsibility of being custodians of the Kaaba or no? Then enslave yourself to this master. But what do the Quraysh do? They denied this message, Surah Al-Ma'un. We learned that they did not deserve this favor. And they, you know, had extremely bad akhlaq when it came to dealing with people. Social justice was not there. You know, there was corruption. They used to push the yatim. They didn't encourage feeding the poor. They didn't uh, even bother giving to, like the smallest things, ma'un, the smallest favors they, for, they denied. And, of course, they used to pray out of just showing off. And they were, not, they were careless about their prayers. You know, هم يرعون ويمنعون الماعون. They they prayed with kessel. You know, they had no regard for prayers, and they were showing off pretty much. It was all a stunt, a show. They were more concerned about worldly gain, more more concerned about you know gaining honor in society, and not enslaving themselves to their master. And so, in this surah, Surah Al-Kawthar, we learn how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala now is going to shift the responsibility. From Quraysh to Rasulullah This is the beginning of the shift. Just like if you remember in Sirah, what happened when the major transfer of responsibility happened? The Kaaba or the, you know, the Muslims were, used to pray towards Jerusalem. And then you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called on the Prophet to shift towards Mecca now. So the changing of the Qibla, which is something that happens in the center of Surah Al-Baqarah is actually a symbol of the transfer of responsibility from the people of the book to the Muslims now. Just like they failed, the people of the book failed, Bani Israel failed in their mission. Similarly, Quraysh has failed. And so this is kind of like that mini changing of Qibla in these 10, uh, 10 surahs. You know, khalas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked them to give, right? One of the signs of being thankful is to give. This is what we learned in the previous surah. You, want to be a, you have favors that Allah gave you. You need to be thankful by, thankful by enslaving yourself and giving to people. Give back to people. That is the objective of salah. Salah is not the objective. Salah is the means for you to become a good person and then you start giving. You start caring about others. Caring about other, others' feelings. Living outside your comfort zone. And this we learned in Surah Al-Asr also. It's one of the four... You know, criteria to pass this exam. This is for yourself. Is when you get out of your comfort zone and help others, and join good, and help others, and help each other. You know, outside your comfort zone. 
So this is the minimum criteria, and of course patience. Why? Because this is a struggle. It's not easy. You need to get out of your comfort zone. It requires patience. So Surah Al-Asr told us that these are the basic, main, bare minimum criteria to pass this exam of life. And so it's not optional for us to get out of our comfort zone and give. No, this is, it's a must. You got to do it. You got to live. Of course, save yourself, then save the people around you. And we said that if every single human being, every single Muslim, just took care of himself and his family and, you know, maybe his neighbors, what would happen to the society in general? We would be a different society altogether, right? But because people haven't taken that responsibility upon themselves, we see all the problems in society, you know, because, you know, we're not even fixing ourselves, let alone fixing things around us. And so Surah Al-Kawthar is about, fine, they're not giving, they're preventing to give the poor and the orphan. Let me give you, Ya Rasulullah. Inna a'tainaka al-kawthar. I will give you a lot. And there's a very interesting, you know, um, context behind this surah which also is, it gives it a different kind of flavor altogether. So the, the story basically is that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, he had two sons from Khadija anha. One was Al-Qasim and then the other one was Abdullah. And then he had a third son from Maria Al-Qubtiya. His name was Ibrahim. But something that would keep happening with his sons, his male sons, was that they would die after, you know, a certain period. So his sons would be dying at a young age. And this became kind of like a, you know, something to ridicule the Prophet ﷺ. And out of all the people who was ridiculing and who was making fun of the Prophet ﷺ whenever his sons died, his own family. You know, his neighbor was Abu Lahab. And, you know, back in the days, you know, just for you to understand, the, the houses were made in a way where there was pretty much no roof. So whatever your neighbor is talking about, you can hear that stuff. And so, you know, when the news came of one of the sons dying, now, let's just stop and think about that and put ourselves in that situation. Your son dying, that in itself is a major, major event. I mean, it's very difficult for us to even put ourselves in that situation. Your son, and you know how it is with parents, like the more time you spend with your kids, the more attached you get to them. And, you know, if, if, if a child dies, let's say one week, after being born is different than when a child dies when he's six years old, right? There's six years of attachment to this child. So, you know, it's a very difficult, difficult time for the Prophet ﷺ. And, you know, we learn also from the, uh, you know, uh, hadith narrations that he actually used to yani, cry. When Ibrahim ﷺ passed away, he cried. And the Sahaba would ask him, Ya Rasulullah, why are you crying? You know? So he said, yani, this, is, this is normal. Yani it's part of the rahmah of insan. It's okay to cry. And this is another thing that we, you know, we need to talk about briefly. It's okay to cry. You know, one of the things we do as parents is a mistake that when our children cry, we, we slap them and say, don't cry. Especially if it's a boy. We, we think it's not manly to cry. Which is, which is, subhanAllah, you know, some studies have shown now that children who are prevented from crying, especially males at a young age, they end up being psychotic when they're old. They end up doing the you know, shootings in the, in the universities and they end up being weirdos and have psychological problems. Why? Because emotionally they're entrapped, right? They didn't let their emotions out. And so for that's against the fitrah. It's okay to cry even for adults. You know, there's nothing wrong with crying. Actually, you know, it's, it's part of the healing process. So it's okay. And so we, this, 
you know, society pressures and, you know, no, you should not cry and you're a man, you need to be strong, you know. These are all like bad, uh, you know, messages that are given to people who are healing. It's okay, you need to relieve, you need to cry. And so the Prophet is extremely, extremely sad. And on top of this, who does he expect to be the most kind and merciful towards him? His own family, right? But what's happening in the situation? His own family members, his own uncle, who's, who happens to be his neighbor, right? So you have the rights of neighbor, you have the rights of family, and he himself, Abu Lahab, is making fun of him. This shows you the characteristic of Abu Lahab and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of all the enemies of Rasulullah, chose him to be mentioned in the Quran by name. Tabbat yada Abi Lahabin Watab. And not only is he mentioned, it's mentioned that he's going to enter the hellfire with his wife. I mean, it's, and it's case closed. And he hears these ayat while he's alive. How, yani, how messed up this person must be. And like, I mean, you know, he didn't even, he wasn't even able to accept Islam just to prove the Quran wrong in his lifetime. That's how doomed he was. And so this was Abu Lahab. You know, he, he was completely like heartless, you know. His own you know, family, and he's making fun. And you know, when, when like, even countries fight against one another or nations fight against one another, and let's say the, the fight is going on for about a month, but they hear about the king's son dying, what happens? They take it easy, Annie. They say, okay, you know what? We'll take a break, cease fire for two, three days. We respect that your son died. We're sorry. Maybe they send a letter also of, you know, condolences. We're sorry to hear about your son passed away. Three days later, okay, let's continue fighting. So even enemies have this mercy when it comes to someone from the family dying, especially a young son. And, you know, I um, actually had, have gone through an you know, experience like this where my daughter, uh, Jude, passed away nearly three weeks into birth. So, you know, I mean, it's not a son, but it's a daughter. But similarly, I, I know how, what it feels like. I've been through it. It's very, very difficult for the mother, for the father. And... Um, you know, burying your small child, literally, like in janazah, like we didn't pick her up. You know how they carry dead people? And like, I, I carried her like this, literally, you know, in my arms, and we walked. So it was, subhanAllah, yani, an experience. And uh, you learn a lot from these experiences. You learn about, you know, patience and all these things. So, but I could not imagine in that moment, someone part of my family making fun of me. Yani. And what did he make a joke about? He said, Betara Muhammad, Betara Muhammad. Muhammad is discontinued. Why? Because, you know, sons usually are a source of pride when it comes to your genealogy and your lineage being continued after you, your, your, your children and your, you know, uh, uh, progeny continuing after you die. And so for Rasulullah there was some wisdom that Allah didn't want his male children to continue after him. Okay, there must be some wisdom. And so this, this guy is making fun of this, that Betara Muhammad. And you know how like Arabs, they had this issue with, like if you have a son, then you're, you're a man. If you, can't, if you can only bring daughters, then shame on you, you need to bury your daughter alive. You know? And so for them, this was like a shameful thing in society, this jahili concept of, you know, you can't have sons, then shame on you. You're an embarrassment to our society. You're not man enough, you know? So better Muhammad, better Muhammad. And you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah consoles the Prophet. And we're learning here also an interesting thing about the Quran that the Quran is not just a book of halal and haram 
and inheritance laws and, and battles and Uhud and Badr and you know fighting the enemy and no there is an emotional angle to the Quran that also is emotional healing for people and you know how many of us have gone through moments of sadness in our life can we raise hands okay we've all gone through that right but rarely do we think that the Quran has a healing for this, right? I mean, we think the Quran is a book of guidance. It'll teach me how to pray and, you know, fast and, you know, get guidance and do istighfar and tawbah. But emotional things, uh, I mean, we don't really see the Quran as a healing for that. What we're learning in this surah is that this surah is all about emotional healing for the Prophet ﷺ. How the Quran heals emotions. We're also learning that the Prophet ﷺ was a human being. And, you know, he got sad. You know how sometimes we have this false notion that Islam, if you become a true Muslim and a true believer, you're always happy. That's not true. You know, Yaqub lost his eyesight because he was so depressed when being separated from his son. So the idea of being sad, this is completely normal. But the one who has guidance, when he is sad, he knows how to deal with sadness. So the Qur'an helps us navigate through these emotions. It helps us, you know, get through them in a, in a way that's healthy for us. Whereas someone who doesn't have guidance, what is he going to do? He's going to be sad and he's going to be depressed and he's going to take, you know, depressant pills and alcohol and drugs and, you know, maybe even commit suicide out of depression. Why? Because he has no way to navigate. Whereas the Qur'an is guidance in the sense that it navigates and it helps us steer our way through these you know, events and, and experiences in our life, which is completely normal. So nothing wrong with being sad, okay? Um, so this surah is a big warning to the, to the kuffar also. So in a way, it's consolation to the Prophet ﷺ in the beginning of the surah. And by the way, it's only three ayat, right? So it's, it's a pretty short surah. But the third, last ayah, Your enemy, he is discontinued. So who is this a threat for? Quraysh. The same people who are saying, you are discontinued, Ya Rasulullah. Allah is saying, don't worry about them. I'll take care of them at the end. That's why Allah even doesn't mention them in the beginning. Allah mentioned them at the tail of the surah. That those guys, don't worry about them. I'll take care of them. I'll make sure they're discontinued. But what's so amazing about the surah is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heals the Rasul So he starts off by saying, you'd think that, you know when someone dies, like when we go to a condolence uh, like majlis, someone just died. What, is, what are the words we say to the person who is grieving? And the words we're saying, we, you know, make dua, may Allah give, grant you patience, you know, sabr, inshallah, you know, may Allah grant them paradise. And so these are the words that usually come out. So you'd expect Allah to say the same, you know, sabran ya Rasulullah, and none of that. What does Allah say? Inna a'tainaka al kawthar. There is no doubt about it. Inna, we have given you al-kawthar. Which is a positive statement, by the way. Okay? Because what just happened, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away his son, right? So Allah didn't start by in a negative tone saying, we took your son and then gave you kawthar. No, the negative part of the whole you know, experience is is removed as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to completely shift the Prophet's focus to the bright side of things. <inaudible> Don't forget that we have given you al kawthar And you know, a'ta is different than ata. Remember we said this. A'ta is when you give something grand. 
When Allah wants you to give, He wants you to give greatly. But when it comes to ata, ata is zakah. Zakah is just 2.5% of your money. So ata is very small, it's soft yani, giving. But a'ta is we have given you grand al-kawthar. So what is Allah doing? Allah's making Rasulullah have like a paradigm shift in the way He thinks. Instead of focusing on the negative things that just happened to you, the sad part, fine, that's okay. But focus on the bright side of things. So this surah is actually teaching the ummah to be optimistic. And you know, we actually are living in times where we're very pessimistic nowadays, unfortunately. You know, all the stuff that we talk about over, uh, you know, chai and, and pakore and samosa is how messed up the Muslim ummah is, how ignorant we are, how corrupt our leaders are, you know, how misguided we are, how far we are from deen, how far we are from Quran and... You know, we're all going to burn in hell and all this kind of stuff and we're all munafiqs and this. So all negative, 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 negative stuff. And, you know, Allah here is telling us that, you know, we need to be optimistic people. We need to be people of alhamdulillah. That's how our book starts. Quran starts with alhamdulillah. It's a, it starts on a positive note. We need to be people of optimism. We need to be people who look on the bright side of things. We are not pessimistic people, you know. So we need to learn. We need to learn how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has teaching the Prophet sallam to um, deal with such situations. Another very interesting thing is, um, you know, when it comes to family, you know, Abu Lahab hurt Rasulullah sallam, right? But in it is a profound lesson for us also. Because sometimes, you know, it's easy for us to say nice words to people outside, outside the house. It's very easy for you to say nice words to your boss, to your secretary, your colleague, to, you know, your uh, friends, to the imam of the masjid, you know, in the masjid, you say nice things to people. It's easy because you're spending, you know, a couple of minutes with them. So you be nice. That's your face on the outside. And, you know, especially for people in the public speaking field, you know, it's very easy for you to hear nice words. And on YouTube, you see nice words about Quran and hadith and reminders of the Quran. But you really want to know what a person is? Ask his wife. Then you will know. How he really is. That's the real face. That's the real him inside the house. Because it's easy to be you know, nice outside. If you, and that's why the Prophet ﷺ told us, خيركم خيركم You want to be the best of the people? Be the best to your family and your wife. And I am the best of you to my wife. Because if you are good to your wife, then you've passed. You know, so... Again, in the public sphere, we could, we could be very nice and we could say nice things. But how you are with your parents, how you are with your children, how you are with your wife. Are you nasty with her? Do you just say anything to her? Or are you someone who watches your word also when it comes to your, your family, your direct family? And this is a, a tragedy of our times, you know. We think like the wives are just like, you know, housemaids that do the laundry and cook and change diapers. So we treat them like housemaids, really. And, uh, you know, we understand this, this ayah about الرجال قوامون على النساء The men are overpowering over women. That's completely wrong and a complete misunderstanding of this ayah, which is a separate discussion. But altogether, we need to understand that women have rights. Our wives have rights. How we talk to our children. Nowadays, parents, you know, they treat their children like they're, you know, nothing. They, you know... They, you know, insult them and they give them all these negative things that you're, you're a loser. Look at, look at your friends, how they're passing in the exam. Look at you. Look at how fat you are. Look at how stupid you are. You're getting C's and D's. 
Look at your sister, she's getting A's. Why are you so dumb? You know? All these negative, negative things that we say to our children, this is a serious thing. This is what counts. How you are in the house is what counts. Okay? Outside is secondary. So, you know, very important lesson for us to watch our words. And, you know, um, what's really interesting is um, Surah Al-Mujadila talks about قَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّتِي تُجَادِلُكَ فِي زَوْجِهَا Subhanallah. Allah has heard the statement of the lady who had an argument with her husband, right? She complained to the Prophet ﷺ about what her husband, the way he talked to her. And who heard this? Allah is saying, Allah heard the statement. This whole surah is about this, this concept of watch your words, especially with your wives. Watch your words with your family. You know, and, and you know, you, you can know the best. Some people in the public sphere, they're so nice, but you hear the stuff they say to their brothers, the stuff they say to their you know, uncles and aunts and sisters and nasty stuff. So we've completely lost the balance here, Yani. And, and, and these hurtful words, we learned what humaza lumaza does, right? When you're inconsiderate about others. So one thing is to be, in, to be caring and considerate about feelings of the public. But what's more important? Being considerate about your own family. Being caring and loving and patient with your own family. That's the real test. That's the real test because you're spending more, more time there. So, um, by the way, the statement Batara Muhammad in another narration, it's interesting that um, when one of the enemies of Rasul said it, he said it not in front of the Rasul. He said it as, as a news. And then the, uh, the surah came down. And so the same words they used in secret in their council meeting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the surah. And so they were like, what? How did Rasulullah hear about this word, betara, you know? So in a way, they, they got the message. Allah heard it. You know? So this was a mini miracle in the surah itself that Allah exposed their secret statement about, you know, making fun of the Prophet So what we're learning here, I'll, I'll give you the, the bottom line lesson. Okay? So just in case you're going to sleep in 5-10 minutes. But the bottom, bottom line message here is when someone is grieving... If you are grieving, you're going through emotional problems, sadness especially, what is the cure for sadness? Not sabr. Sabr is the consequence. What is the cure? The cure is to be thankful. The cure is to look at what favors Allah has given you. And this is what Allah is teaching the Prophet ﷺ. Learn to look at the bright side. Learn to look at the favors I have given you. Inna kal You know, I, I'm using water bottles as examples. So, so this bottle is half full, half empty, right? Now for the, the negative, pessimistic person, you'll be like, oh man, half of it is finished, man. It was full a while ago, it's, it's finishing. What am I going to do? You know, This is the negative person. What about the positive person? Alhamdulillah, half is still there. Such a big blessing that I still have half full. So you know, it's two different perspectives. This is what Rasulullah is being taught by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at the half that I've given you. And this is not even half, it's kawthar. And kawthar comes from the root word kathir or kathra, which means a lot. So there's, you know, you could say kathir, which means a lot, a lot, a lot. 
And then there's kathur, which means a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And then kawthar, which means so much that you can't imagine. That's what kawthar means. I've given you so much that it's incomparable to anything your mind can even comprehend. That is what kawthar means. So it's a nice word, yeah, a nice name to name uh, you know, your daughter or something. Yeah. Beautiful name. But another, before we go you know, deep into the ayah, I wanted to also shed some parallel lessons between this surah and the surah before that. So the surah before that, we learned about the bukhl, the greed of the disbeliever, right? He was greedy. What is Allah saying in the, in the beginning of the surah? Therefore, you should also you should also give, Ya Rasulullah. Just like we're giving you so much, you should give also. Unlike the previous surah, He's not helping the poor. He's pushing away the orphan. He's, you know, He's not even encouraging his people to help the, uh, feed the, the poor and the miskin. Here, Allah's teaching us to give. You see the, the contrast between the beginning of that surah and this surah. And then in the middle of that previous surah, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ That was the warning. Warning to those who, when it comes to their prayer, they're careless about their prayer. Not, they don't take their prayer seriously. It's not a priority in their life. What does Allah say here? فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ You see the parallel? In that, they were, they were being careless about prayer. In this surah, Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ And in that surah also, the other problem in prayer was, number one, that they are sahun in their prayer. Number two, الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَاءُونَ They pray to show off. Here, what did Allah say? فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ Pray sincerely to only to your master. Not to show off, only to your master. You see, you're seeing the parallel? And last but not least, وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ In the previous surah. They're not even giving the least amount, the least favor they're not even giving. Here, وَنْحَرْ Sacrifice and give. What do we do with the sacrifice on Eid al-Adha? You're supposed to sacrifice it and do what? Distribute it, right? So you see the parallels now? It's, it's a complete, uh, you know, opposite mirror image of the previous surah. It's a beautiful way Allah explains this. So, what is al-Kawthar? Now there's a lot of discussion about it. And, you know, Mufassirun have written like pages and pages about this. Of course, there's no time, not enough time to go over all of it. But I'll share with you some of the interesting things. So one... View is that it is the pond on the Day of Judgment where the believers will be gathering with the Prophet ﷺ and he will be you know, feeding them with his own hands from this river or this pond, which is called Al-Kawthar. And you know, the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever drinks from his blessed hands on that day, he will never be thirsty again. So may Allah you know, bless us with this blessed you know, drink from his blessed hands, inshallah. And um, also they say that this is a river bank Yani Kawthar is a river where there will be tents made of pearls. And Rasulullah has described that the smell, just the smell of this river is like musk. Just, just the smell. And the taste of it is sweeter than honey and the color of it is whiter than milk. This is the description that we find in the narrations. Okay, so I'm giving you like a summary of that. And also in this Kawthar we learn that the birds, there will be special kind of birds swimming in this river whose necks will be like carrots. Okay, so strange kind of birds. And so, you know, Umar when he heard this term, he said, wow, they must be beautiful, Ya Rasulullah. But then Rasulullah told Umar, 
and those who will drink from this will be even more beautiful, Ya Umar. Subhanallah. Okay? So, inna a'tainaka al-kawthar. So, inna is adat tafkhim. Inna, we. There's no doubt about it. And you know, whenever inna comes or inna comes, you have to realize that Allah is telling you something that you probably doubt. You know, so he, in this case, the Rasulullah is, is sad, he's grieving, he's upset. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him, don't doubt that we have given you a lot. You think that we've taken your son away from you, but we have given you a lot. We have given you a lot. Focus on the, the bright side of things. So what has he given us? What has he given the Prophet Surah Al-Duha and Surah Al-Inshirah answer this deeply, right? Allah hasn't forsaken you. Inshallah, your end will be better than your you know, earlier days. Allah will give you and you will be satisfied. Weren't you a team? Weren't you an orphan and He gave you shelter? And you were you know, uh, searching for the truth and Allah guided you? So, all these favors, you can refer back to the Surah Al Duha. These are all favors, 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 favors. So it's as if Allah is hinting to that surah. You know, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. Didn't we expand your chest? Wa wadana anka wizrak. Your burden didn't we remove it from you? Aladhi anqala zaharak. Wa rafagna laka zikrak. Didn't we honor your name by including it in the shahada, by you know including it in the adhan, in the salah, by giving you maqam al mahmuda, by giving you shafa'a. All these favors. Okay. So these are some views of what al kawthar is. Some of the honors. Some people say that the honor is the changing of the qibla towards Kaaba. That is one of the big honors. Also, some say that kawthar um, from kathir means the ummah will be large in number. And you know, alhamdulillah, today, what's the population of Muslims? Like, I don't know, 1.7 billion maybe? Yeah? 1.2, 1.3 billion. Above a billion, yani. So, large in numbers. Yani. And look at the haram, mashallah, when you know, people go for hajj. It's packed. Yani. So, kawthar, literally. Lots and lots and lots of people, so much that they have to expand. Yani. And you know what's interesting about the, the Mecca in general, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for the dua of Ibrahim, if, or for providing prosperity, like, would anyone even go there? If it wasn't for the Kaaba, honestly, like, yani. what would you go there for? The, the weather? The people? <laughs> no. You'd want to stay away from that place, Yani, if it wasn't for the Kaaba. So subhanAllah, the Kaaba in itself, just by looking at it, there's a sense of you know, um, love that Allah has put in it. Literally. And this is an answer of du- uh, Dua of Ibrahim salam. So what else? Your akhlaq, ya Rasulullah. Aisha said that the Prophet ﷺ, his character was the Qur'an. So prob- maybe that is al-Kawthar. Maybe the Qur'an is al-Kawthar. We have given you the Qur'an, this message, this divine book, divine speech. And your understanding of it, you preserving it in your heart, this could be al-Kawthar. Another uh, you know, view of Kawthar is victory. We, we have given you victory. Another view is that we have given you the Sahaba. They are the Kawthar. They are the ones who are you know, helping you spread the message and they are your you know, uh, supporters in this, in this uh, message. And so, also the, the idea of being extremely merciful, being extremely merciful, this is part of his kawthar also, extremely, extremely merciful. We haven't sent you except that you're a mercy for humanity. 
And you know, this is actually something unique about Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi I don't know if I've, I've told you this before, very briefly. It's a bit, it's a tangent, but it's important. So all the previous nations, when their prophets came with the message, and they came with miracles, and their nations disbelieved after seeing the miracle, what happened? Destruction. And you know, so imagine like the, um, the people of um, Nuh alayhi salam, right? When they dis- disbelieved in the message and they saw the flood coming, if they, if they said, Astaghfirullah, atubu, Astaghfirullah, atubu ilayhi, Ya Allah, please forgive me. Is that accepted? Why not? Because the punishment has come. The moment Allah presses the play button for the punishment to come, game over. There's no more tawbah. This, is, this has been the norm for the previous nations. Okay? All of them. Destruction upon destruction upon destruction. There's no pause button. But for the Prophet ﷺ, a unique thing happened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hit the pause button. Literally. So what was the punishment for the disbelievers? Was there any storm that was coming? Did the sea split and they drowned? No. What was the punishment? It was the swords of the Sahaba. Literally. This, this is what the punishment the form of the punishment for the kuffar of Quraysh was. But what happened? In Surah At-Tawbah, we learned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a period of four months to think about it. So the punishment came. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, specifically for Rasulullah being the prophet of mercy, said, I will make an exception for you with your people and your nation and your risala, your message. I will hit the pause button. We'll give them four months to think about it. And you know, not only that, you need to give them shelter. If they have any questions, you need to answer the questions. If they don't want this, they can leave. We won't touch them, they can leave. They want to stay, they can pay jizya. But if they want to be a resistance, then we, we fight. Because the, the objective of Rasulullah was not fighting and bloodshed, it was spreading the message. So anyone who came in, in, uh, in the face of the message to resist it, to stop it from spreading, they would you know, have to take care of that. Yeah just for the sake of the message. So you, you see that point here? The point of mercy and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Rasulullah a special, special uh, you know, circumstance where the, literally the punishment was paused. What more mercy do they want? And you know, they say Surah Tawbah is about like killing and bloodshed because it's the only surah that doesn't have Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This is the surah of mercy, subhanAllah. It's very ironic though. Yeah. And so another view which I actually personally thought was the most Yani, uh, you know, that made sense the most is the legacy of Ibrahim. That's Al-Kawthar. Why? Because فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ This is also from the legacy of the, Pro- uh, the Prophet Ibrahim salam. The idea that he built the Kaaba and sacrificed literally. Wanhar means to sacrifice. And Nahar is interestingly the upper part of the body above the chest. This is called Nahar. Which is where we sacrifice. And this is the test that Ibrahim salam. Uh, was given, right? To sacrifice his son Ismail. And so, the legacy of your father Ibrahim. This is the kawthar. The idea that you are from the same lineage of the Prophet Ibrahim and you are fulfilling his, or completing his mission. So, if you want to understand what was the mission of the Prophet in one sentence, it was completing what Ibrahim started. That was the mission. Ibrahim started the mission of Tawheed, of believing in one God and, you know, worshipping Allah alone. And Rasulullah's mission was what? Completing it. Why? Because in between, what happened? It got corrupted, it got messed up. Okay? Musa was sent, but it got messed up. Isa was sent, message got messed up. Rasulullah came to remove the idols, 360 idols, to bring it back to where Ibrahim built 
the message. So here, another interesting thing is that, you know, Allah is saying, don't be sad at the death of your son. I will replace you with billions of people who will love you more than any son can love his father. Or more than any father can love his son. And so this is al-kawthar. The love of the people. Look at how people react when cartoons are made about the Prophet Yes, I mean, it's unwise reactions. But still, it's a sign that what? <laughs> it's a sign that we, we love him to death, right? And this is one thing that unites the ummah, subhanAllah. All of a sudden, we become united, regardless of you know, your sect and which shaykh you listen to and which aqidah you follow and this, that. All of a sudden, we become one ummah. <laughs> when a cartoon is made you know, somewhere. And so and this is something that really shocks the, the Western world, I'm sure, right? What's wrong with these guys? Why is it when it comes to this, these things, they get extra sensitive? Yani? So this, this is also al-kawthar, the extreme, extreme love. And some people, unfortunately, they take this love out of context and start, you know, making dua to Rasulullah and, you know, they make sajda to him, and, which is, of course, uh, the mistake that the Christians did with Isa, salam, right? They fall into that same trap of you know, doing ghulub or going extreme in the love of Rasulullah. And then you hear these nate and songs about, you know, some shirky stuff going on, yani, which is shady stuff. So you got to be careful with that. Yani. I'm not against nate and stuff, but just check out the words before you sing the song. <laughs> check out the lyrics. And if you don't understand, or do ask your mom to translate. So um, another beautiful thing here is the honor of your name. Remember I mentioned this also that how how Rasulullah specifically mentions the Prophet Muhammad in the Quran unlike any other Prophet. For Musa, Ya Musa! You know? Ya Isa! Ya Yahya! Just by the, their name. But he never said Ya Muhammad. Ya Ayyuhan Nabi. Ya Ayyuhan Rasul. And when Muhammad is mentioned as a name, always Muhammadur Rasulullah. You know? Always there's this respect and honor that's so that could also be part of Al-Kawthar. But the idea here is that, yani, think positively about the, all these blessings that we've given you. Look on the bright side of things and be thankful. And this is something that Allah did with Musa salam and his people. You know, right after the, the Fir'aun and his army drowned, what's going on in the minds of the parents whose children were slaughtered in front of their eyes every other year. What's going on in their minds? They're still haunted, right, with these thoughts. I mean, it's not, it's not... One thing is for your son to die, but for your son to be slaughtered and your daughter to be slaughtered, or actually it was sons, right? So sons to be slaughtered literally one, after, one year after another year after another year, literally one year, you know, with a gap of one year and another every other year. This in itself is psychological torture, isn't it, for parents? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell Musa alayhi salam to tell his people right after the escape from the, you know, uh, the army of Fir'aun? in shakartum la'azidannakum. If you thank, I will give you more. Same healing. Same healing. Just thank, I'll give you more. Think, look at the bright side. I gave you Prophet Musa alayhi salam. I gave you the Torah. I saved you from Fir'aun. Look on the bright side of things. So for us to make this practical, look on the bright side of life. Yani, whenever you go through tough times. And when you do look in the bright side of things, that's where the, that's where the sabr comes. That's where you start healing. And another profound, profound lesson that you know, I, I came across also was that you know, the healing process for Rasulullah was three ayat. 
Allah didn't tell him read Surah Al-Baqarah and you'll find sabr inshallah. Yani. Why? We're learning something really amazing here. Is that when someone is going through difficulty, you need to give them some space. Just give them a few words of comfort and leave them. Let them think about those small words and time will heal. They need some space. Don't give them a one-hour lecture in the condolence majlis about sabr and shukr and you know, dua and patience. No, no, no. Just a few words. And don't even stay in the majlis for long. Leave. They need time alone. And subhanAllah, Allah is being sensitive to the Prophet's feelings. Isn't that amazing? SubhanAllah, yani we're learning wisdom of how to deal with these situations. Allah is teaching us this. Just three ayat, Allah says, Rasulullah. Think about these ayat. Just think about all the kawthar I've given you. Fasalli li rabbika wanhar. And pray and sacrifice. And SubhanAllah, when do we sacrifice? On Eid al-Adha. Is Eid a, a time of like mourning or celebration? Literally, Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ, you need to be celebrating in this time because I've given you kawthar. You need to be literally looking on the bright side. And in a hadith, um, I've heard from my teacher is that if you are following a janazah, this is hadith, huh? if you're following a janazah and passing by you is a band baja of like some shadi, literally, Go and follow the happy times. Yani. Interesting, huh? So, yani, you do your part of the janazah, of course. You don't miss out on the edge of janazah, but then, you know, don't just hang in there. Khas, just go. Go for the shadi and celebrate and be part of the celebrations. Move on with life, basically. Yani. Look on the bright side of things and move on with life. And so another beautiful view is we are part of, part of Al-Kawthar. Have you ever thought about that? Because the Prophet ﷺ, one day he said that I miss my brothers. And you know, the, the companions are like, uh, Rasulullah, hello, we're here with you. Why do you miss us? He said, no, 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 no. You are my companions. <laughs> my brothers are those who will come after you, who will believe in me without seeing me. SubhanAllah. So, you know, may Allah make us of Rasulullah's brothers, inshallah. And, and he says that he misses us. And, so, you know, we could be part of this kawthar. So sacrifice. Sacrifice, a beautiful word also. What does it remind us of? Ibrahim a.s. He was the master of sacrifice. You want to you wanna know like the, the, the role model for sacrifice? It was Ibrahim a.s. Sacrifice, I'll tell you three situations where he sacrificed. Number one, leaving his family in the middle of the desert. No food, no water, heat, literally desert. Young boy. No pampers, no milk. You know, and his wife had to go through so much trouble to find water eventually, right? Leaving them alone in the middle of the... Isn't that a sacrifice? How many of us can think of that, Yani? We, like when it comes to traveling to a different country and leaving them at home, we get worried, Yani, you know? Let alone leaving them in the middle of the desert. So that was a huge sacrifice. Just try to put yourself in that situation. Sacrifice number two, the dream. Killing your own son. Sacrificing your own son. I mean, you know, we, our six-year-old children know these stories, but have we internalized them? Have we ever put ourselves in that situation? That test? How much 
iman and yaqeen you must have to be ready to do that. Yani. You know? We can't even imagine. Yani. But Ibrahim salam, Allah says, فَأَتَمَّهُنْ He passed all tests with flying colors. The third test, the fire. He had yaqeen. He didn't say, oh, Ya Allah, make the fire cold. No, he went in the fire and Allah made it cold. He didn't know it's going to become cold. He was willing to go in the fire. He didn't know that the, the knife was not going to cut. He didn't know that. He was going to go for it, yeah, literally. But Allah tested him through this. And so, you know, he is... Here, why sacrifice is linked to Ibrahim? Because, of course, he was a master of sacrifice. Now, when it comes to us, what's the lesson for us in our times? The legacy of Ibrahim, a.s. sacrifice. What was the legacy of Rasulullah, a.s.? Completing the mission of Ibrahim, a.s. sacrifice. Look at his whole life. 23 years of what? Struggle and sacrifice. Why? So that we could be sitting in this masjid and listening to this dars. It was for us. Right? And so if we claim to be followers of Rasulullah, then we need to live up to that same mission. You know, um, when you go to like say uh, Salam to the Prophet Salam, uh, when you visit his masjid, Masjid Nabur, everyone goes and passes by and says, Salamu alaykum ya Rasulullah. Right? And he of course responds. But how many, how many of us say it with, you know, Pride and confidence that Ya Rasulullah, Salamu Alaikum. I'm, I'm fulfilling your legacy also, Ya Rasulullah. Salamu Alaikum, Ya Rasulullah. I'm also part of your mission. I'm also a Rasul of you. I'm a messenger of the Messenger of Allah. Continuing the same legacy. Or do we just pass by and say, you know, Salamu Alaikum, Ya Rasulullah. I'll go back to my shisha and my, you know, video games and, and Barcelona. You know, so many Muslims are passing by saying salam, salam, salam to him. But where are we from his legacy? Where are we from his mission? Something to think about, right? If we claim to be his followers and we claim that this is part of shahad, ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah, you bear witness that you are a believer in him being the messenger of Allah, then is that it? Does it just stop there or is there something to do next? What do you think? Something needs to be done, right? We need to fulfill his legacy also. So sacrifice. Allah is saying, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ He's teaching us wisdom now. And we'll try to wrap it up with this. He's teaching us the wisdom of salah. Which links us to the previous surah. Remember how I told you the difference between means and goal. Okay? We unfortunately have made salah the goal. Alhamdulillah. Panch wakki namaz parli. Alhamdulillah. Farigh hoge. Right? Alhamdulillah, Quran khatam kar liya. Rose par liya. Rose rak liya. I've done hajj. I've finished my Quran. I've prayed my five prayers. I've prayed fajr. Alhamdulillah. Job done. No. These salawat, these ibadah, these worships are just the means. They're the fuel. What's next? Next is doing good for humanity. Fulfilling the legacy of the Prophet Fulfilling the legacy of Ibrahim And so in the previous surah we learned... Give. Pray and give. Right or no? Pray and give. And here we're learning pray and sacrifice. Because giving requires sacrifice. We don't like to give. Because human beings love wealth. Right or no? 
We're, we're made to, lo to love wealth. But Allah is saying, no, sacrifice it. I know you love wealth, but sacrifice it. So, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ A consequence of salah is that you become someone who has iman and is willing to sacrifice because you know this life is a test. This life is just a couple of years of test and you want to compete for that jannah. You want to compete for the hur. You want to compete for the drinks of jannah. That's the real game. That's where we need to be competing for. And so we, we plant our seeds in dunya to get the rewards of jannah. This is how simple our, our mission in life is. But what are Muslims doing? We're competing for dunya, right? And so when it comes to sacrifice, no, 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 no. I'm busy. I'm busy at work. I'm busy with, uh, you know, friends at the shisha place. I'm busy watching a cricket match. I'm busy playing, you know, video games. I'm busy at the cinema. So we're busy, busy, busy with entertainment and distractions. And we've forgotten the real purpose and the real mission. And if you go back to Surah Al-Asr, this is, you know, in parallel with the teaching of Surah Al-Asr. Time is running out. Allah is swearing, time is running out. You, what, do you, what do you keep saying? I'll sacrifice, inshallah, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, inshallah, I'll sacrifice time. I'll give some time. One of the biggest things you can sacrifice is your time. Literally, the biggest thing you can sacrifice is your own time. Because this is the most precious part of your life. This is what we have, time. And Allah swears that the number one reason the human being is going to be in loss, وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ The number one reason is time. We don't value time. We don't appreciate time. We're not willing to sacrifice time for salah. We're not willing to sacrifice time for a little, you know, bit of understanding Qur'an. We're not willing to sacrifice time to spend time with our family and kids and our parents. We're not willing to sacrifice time to do some voluntary work. What is voluntary work, by the way? What is like... You know when you do like any kind of relief work or voluntary work, you're volunteering your time. The, the opportunity cost is your time, right or no? Because you're not getting paid for it. So Allah is saying, فَصَلِّ رَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ It's not enough, فَصَلِّ Rabbik alone. Pray to your master and sacrifice. It's a result, it's a consequence of salah. When you say, Salaamu Alaikum Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullah, you're getting up and you're sacrificing your time now. You're putting in the effort. You're sacrificing the, the temptations of the world for the bigger mission. You're a man of a vision, literally. Just like Ibrahim Aysam was a man of a vision and he saw the potential of this city that was dry land and he said, Ya Allah, make it a city of peace and prosperity. We need to be people of visions, guys. This is, this is the core message of the Qur'an. When we have visions, we will be so busy fulfilling our visions, we won't have time for distraction. We won't have time for, you know, shahawat and shubuhat and, you know, sharukhan and this kind of stuff. No time for that. You've got a goal, you have a mission. That doesn't mean you take breaks every now and then and entertain yourself. That's part of it. But you are a man of a vision. The ummah needs to have visions in whatever field you're in. You know, it doesn't have to be da'wah. You can have a vision to become a millionaire just to help build orphanages and, you know, build schools and, and hospitals. You want me to share with you, to wrap up, just a, a man of a vision that really inspired me and I had the honor to meet him. His name was Dr. Abdul Bari Khan. Dr. Abdul Bari Khan. How many of you know him? Yeah, you guys know him because you did the workshop, right? Most people don't know him. He's a nobody. But this is the beauty of our deen. Sometimes nobodies in society are, have a lot of weight in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
You know, we learned this in Surah Al-Zalzal, by the way. You know, when we think about the mizan and the balance, we think about what? The balance of our deeds, right? Another view here is your balance. How much do you weigh in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is your weight? I'm not talking about your physical weight, you know? So don't be happy if you have like a big belly, yani. No, your weight in terms of your value. Are you an asset to this ummah? Are you carrying a message and, you know, are you a leader? How many people are following you? What kind of projects are you running? How big is your institution? You know, how many people are benefiting from you? That's your weight, subhanAllah. Have you ever thought about that? What's my weight? You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the Prophet told us about some sahaba that one man was equivalent to a thousand people. Forgot the name of the sahabi, literally, in, in battle, that one man was equivalent to a thousand. The Prophet saw this. And in one situation, the Sahaba saw, um, I think it was Abdullah bin Mas'ud, I'm not sure. He was, I think, climbing some tree to get some dates or something. And his leg was exposed. And he had a really thin leg. And so the Sahaba started laughing. And so the Prophet said, don't laugh. If you only know the weight of his, this leg, it will be more heavier on the Day of Judgment than the weight of Mount Uhud. SubhanAllah. So the weight of people is actually, you know, discussed in Sirah also. So Dr. Abdul Bari Khan living the meaningless life, you know, making big bucks in the U.S., top heart surgeon, nice house, nice car, you know, eating, drinking, sleeping, ash, you know, classical dream of anyone, right? You have a nice job, paying you good money, nice wife, kids and everything, set, set lifestyle. But he realized it was meaningless. There's more to life than this. And so he went through a transformation where he went back to Pakistan to, to serve in one of the uh, local health clinics, the public health clinics, and he saw the disaster. He saw how, you know, poverty was so messed up that people were dying because their parents didn't have money to pay for the operation. And so this, he wasn't negative, he was optimistic, see? He saw the bright side of things, and he's like, you know what? I'll use my gift, my skill, to build a hospital that will set an example for the world. This hospital will be the world's leading state-of-the-art free hospital. And he wanted to build it in Karachi out of all the places, you know. When you think of Karachi, you think of like no electricity, bomb blast, corruption, and, you know, people who are like dakus and stuff, right? That's what you think of. But he wanted to build it there. And four years down the road, he had a vision now. Quit his job, came to Pakistan, started doing the planning, fundraising, everything. Four years down the road, guys, in this hospital in Karachi becomes a reality. And, you know, the West is so impressed with him that Bill Gates calls him and gives him, uh, you know, a check, multi-million dollar check to fulfill his vision. When you decide to sacrifice for Allah, Allah will open doors for you that you can never imagine. And if the doors of Muslims aren't opening, Allah will open the doors of Bill Gates to fund your project. SubhanAllah. You know? And, um, you know, mashallah, now he's, he's replicating that model all across the world. A man who used his skill, his talent, his experience, his contacts, this is risk, right? This is his risk. Risk is not just money in your banking account. Risk is your contacts, your talent, your skills. He used all of it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and Allah opened doors of dunya for him now also. You know? And inshallah in akhirah, if his intentions are clear. But you know, these are role models of society. This is what we need. Each, of, each one of us should have visions like this. You know, if you're someone who likes uh, movies, fine. I'm not saying movies are haram. Make clean and good, meaningful movies to teach people good values. It doesn't have to be Islamic movies. It doesn't have to be about Khalid bin Walid and Salah al-Din. No. Just clean movies with good messages. You know, if you're someone who's good in, in media, yalla, make the next CNN, the next Fox News. You know? If you're someone who's into fashion, like I had a friend who was a, literally a, a fashion model. Like he used to, you know, walk in the catwalks of Italy and France and very good looking, mashallah, and very nice style, yeah. And he was living his life, money, girls, everything. Yani. Allah guided him. Now he launched his own clothing uh, line. Shukr online, you can check it out. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is what we're talking about. We need to have these, you know, visions that will please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all these different areas of our life, inshallah. So that's what sacrifice is about. فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ And last but not least, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ Shana means the one who is your enemy. Your enemy that's who's angry with you, he is going to be discontinued. Not you, Ya Rasulullah. They will be discontinued. إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ So abtar from what? It's interesting for us, right? To, to understand. Abtar from what? What will Allah disconnect them from? Everything. They will lose the custody of the Kaaba. They will lose in the victory of Rasulullah They will lose in dunya. They will lose in akhirah. Disconnected from everything. Disconnected from guidance. You know? Even from worldly benefit. Disconnected. And you know, this is a, a term that is a verb, right? Abtar. To, show, to tell us that anyone who, you know, uh, disrespects the Prophet we will discontinue his work. We'll continue his work. He won't, and we've, hear, we've heard stories, right, of people who've drawn cartoons, what happened to them. Yani. Horror stories. Yani. And one of you even accepted Islam after making a movie, right? The guy who made the movie Fitna, he became a Muslim now. And he's like one of the biggest ambassadors of Islam now. Allah discontinued his work against Rasulullah and now he's working for Rasulullah Subhanallah. You know? So, inna shanaka huwa al-abtar uh, we should not be people who get offended by Rasulullah Anyone's drawing cartoons and stuff, we should be busy with our visions. Allah has taken it upon Himself to raise the status of Rasulullah Let's not get busy burning flags. Let's not get busy you know, writing hate emails and hate messages and forums and you know, being angry. And This is not the quality of believers. You know? A believer is productive. A believer is optimistic. This is, the, this is how the surah is ending here. That we should be people who are focused on visions, we should be focused on salah and sacrifice. By the way, a lot of people, they, they have the other imbalance, I forgot to mention. They do a lot of sacrifice, a lot of voluntary work, and working, 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 vision, vision, vision. No time for salah. They forgot fasalli. <laughs> oh, I had to pray also, yeah, I forgot. Inshallah, I'll make it up. Oh, I miss fajr. You know? So where is Salah in, in this whole picture also? It's a central part of it. You know, valuing Salah. Where is Salah? We need to ask ourselves. 
And you know, we, we learned also that salah was something that Rasulullah was given in another time of his life. I'll end with this. When it was known as the year of sorrow, when his wife passed away, Khadija Radanha, and when his <coughs> uncle passed away, Abu Talib. This was the year of sorrow, and what was the gift to make the Prophet calm and like get his mood changed? Isra al Mi'raj. And Isra al Mi'raj was pretty much a journey for Rasulullah to get the ultimate gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he went to the upper heavens. What was the gift? Salah. That was a gift. What was the gift to Musa salam when he talked to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Mount of Tur? Establish salah for my remembrance. This is the value of salah. And you know, where are we from the value of salah in our lives? You know, how important is it for us? Are we just doing it for quantity purposes? Or are we quality prayer? You know, are we, are we focused on quality prayer? So, you know, we ask Allah to make us of people who know how to navigate when it comes to sadness by focusing on the blessings of Allah. May Allah make us people who are optimistic. You know, these are the lessons of the surah. Be optimistic. Think of the blessings. Think of the bright side. Don't give lectures to people who are sad. Just give them slight words and then leave. Be nice to your family. You know, talk to them nicely. Don't be, don't be, don't do humaza lumaza with your family. And also, let us have value for salah, and let us have value for the importance of sacrifice, especially being people of vision, being having a meaningful life. You want to live a meaningful life? Start having a vision for yourself. Start writing it down. Ramadan is the time to, to ask Allah. If you want to do something but you don't know what, say, Ya Allah, hire me this Ramadan. Ask for it sincerely, and Allah, Allah will give it to you. Wallahi, test it. I'm telling you from experience. I, at one point in my life, I wanted to do something I didn't know what to do. And then Allah, you know, He opens doors. That's why I'm here today. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here today. You know, I had this love of Quran and love of, you know, inspiring people to have visions and you know, Allah opens the doors now. So we're driving along the road towards that vision, helping people have meaningful lives, helping people realize the purpose of their life. And connecting it with lessons from the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is the ultimate book of self-development. So this is, this is my vision. And I'm living it. Man. And I'm willing to, inshallah, die on the path. Man. So uh, all of you, uh, this came out of Ramadan, by the way, this gift. I don't know which night it was, but it must have been one night that Allah accepted. One dua. Don't underestimate these nights. These are, yes, you ask for Jannah and Istighfar and, you know, May Allah forgive your parents and those who died. Those are nice du'as. But also take advantage of these nice to make big du'as. Ya Allah, I want, I want a vision. I want to have a purpose in life. I want to do something big. I want to leave a legacy behind me. I want, I want a sadaqa jari that will continue after I die. I'm lost, Ya Allah. Please help me. Ihdina sarat al-mustaqeem. That's the du'a. Sarat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. Literally, an'ama means gifted. Allah gifted the sahaba with visions. Okay, Khalid bin Walid, you do fighting. Okay, you, you're good in poetry. Hassan bin Thabit, do poetry. You're good in knowledge, become a scholar. You're good in Quran, Mus'ab bin Umair, go and teach Quran to people of Medina. Literally, an'amta alayhim. Allah gifted them, literally like a gift came from up, on top of above and 
placed it in your lap. Yalla, this, you want it to work for me? Yalla, show me what you got. And so you ask Allah, Ya Allah, an'am alayhi. Ya Allah, gift me with a mission, with a vision, something I can do for you, Ya Allah. And if you're sincere, you're someone who's willing to sacrifice and Allah you know, accepts your niyyah, and you ask for it consistently, just like a child asks for ice cream over and over and over again, they're crying, 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 and then you do, you do go to Baskin Robbins and you get the ice cream, right? You have that soft heart. Allah is a Rahman Rahim. If he sees that his slave is sincerely asking him to hire him, he'll hire you, inshallah. You know? And then, inshallah, your, your life will be a completely different, uh, it'll be a transformation, you know? You'll want to wake up early, you're going to be productive, you're not going to waste time, you're going to take care of your wife, and your wife is going to be happy with you. Wow, mashallah, what's going on with you, man? You're being extra nice to me nowadays. You know, your kids will be like, Baba, you're spending more time with us, huh? Ice cream, park, wow, nice. And at work, you, you know, your boss will be like, what's wrong with you, man? What's going on? It changes in you. Mashallah, you're coming to work on time, and you, you know, being very kind, you're being productive. And then in Salah, you're in the front prayer. You're, you have a balance, you have discipline in your life. You have some, you're achieving things. And then you become a role model for people around you. Then people are like, you know, I want to be like you, man. What, what are you up to? What are you eating? Which shawarma are you eating? You know? And then this, inshallah, your family and everyone joins. You. And then you can you know, feed this to your children. And then they can be your sadaqa jari, inshallah. So with that we conclude. Subhanakallah bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I would also like to announce that inshallah this will be the last dars for uh, this Ramadan uh, conducted from here. Inshallah we're uh, going for Umrah. So make dua for us that we reach safely. And that may Allah accept our Umrah. And we will try our best to continue recording from there. You know. Uh, so do follow us on uh, YouTube and our podcasts, and uh, inshallah we look forward to you know continuing these rules and inshallah just follow us on Facebook and you'll be updated with what we're going what we're doing inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.